the formation of the canon of the new testament by b b warfield this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org in order to obtain a correct understanding of what is called the formation of the canon of the new testament it is necessary to begin by fixing very firmly in our minds one fact which is obvious enough when attention is called to it that is that the christian church did not require to form for itself the idea of a canon or as we should more commonly call it of a bible that is of a collection of books given of god to be the authoritative rule of faith and practice it inherited this idea from the jewish church along with the thing itself the jewish scriptures or the canon of the old testament the church did not grow up by natural law it was founded and the authoritative teachers sent forth by christ to found his church carried with them as their most precious possession a body of divine scriptures which they imposed on the church that they founded as its code of law no reader of that new testament can need proof of this on every page of that book is spread the evidence that from the very beginning the old testament was as cordially recognized as law by the christian as by the jew the christian church thus was never without a bible or a canon but the old testament books were not the only ones which the apostles by christ's own appointment the authoritative founders of the church imposed upon the infant churches as their authoritative rule of faith and practice no more authority dwelt in the prophets of the old covenant than in themselves the apostles who had been made sufficient as ministers of a new covenant for as one of themselves argued if that which passeth away was with glory much more that which remaineth is in glory accordingly not only was the gospel they delivered in their own estimation itself a divine revelation but it was also preached in the holy ghost one peter one twelve not merely the matter of it but the very words in which it was clothed were of the holy spirit one corinthians two thirteen their own commands were therefore of divine authority one thessalonians four two and their writings were the depository of these commands two thessalonians two fifteen if any man obeyeth not our word by this epistle says paul to one church two thessalonians three fourteen note that man that ye have no company with him to another he makes it the test of a spirited man to recognize that what he was writing to them was the commandments of the lord one corinthians fourteen thirty seven inevitably such writings making so awful a claim on their acceptance were received by the infant churches as of a quality equal to that of the old bible placed alongside of its older books as an additional part of the one law of god and read as such in their meetings for worship a practice which moreover was required by the apostles one thessalonians five twenty seven colossians four sixteen revelation one two in the apprehension therefore of the earliest churches the scriptures were not a closed but an increasing canon such they had been from the beginning as they gradually grew in number from moses to malachi and such they were to continue as long as there should remain among the churches men of god who spake as they were moved by the holy ghost we say that this immediate placing of the new books given the church under the seal of apostolic authority among the scriptures already established as such was inevitable it is also historically evinced from the very beginning thus the apostle peter writing in a d sixty eight speaks of paul's numerous letters not in contrast with the scriptures but as among the scriptures and in contrast with the other scriptures two peter three sixteen that is of course those of the old testament 
in like manner the apostle paul combines as if it were the most natural thing in the world the book of deuteronomy and the gospel of luke under the common head of scripture one timothy five eighteen for the scripture saith thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn deuteronomy twenty five four and the labourer is worthy of his hire luke ten seven the line of such quotations is never broken in christian literature polycarp in a d one one five unites the psalms and ephesians in exactly similar manner in the sacred books as it is said in these scriptures be ye angry and sin not and let not the sun go down upon your wrath so a few years later the so-called second letter of clement after quoting isaiah adds two four and another scripture however says i came not to call the righteous but sinners quoting from matthew a book which barnabas circa ninety seven to a hundred six a d had already adduced as scripture after this such quotations are common what needs emphasis at present about these facts is that they obviously are not evidences of a gradually heightening estimate of the new testament books originally received on a lower level and just beginning to be tentatively accounted scripture they are conclusive evidences rather of the estimation of the new testament books from the very beginning as scripture and of their attachment as scripture to the other scriptures already in hand the early christians did not then first form a rival canon of new books which came only gradually to be accounted as of equal divinity and authority with the old books they received new book after new book from the apostolical circle as equally scripture with the old books and added them one by one to the collection of old books as additional scriptures until at length the new books thus added were numerous enough to be looked upon as another section of the scriptures the earliest name given to this new section of scripture was framed on the model of the name by which what we know as the old testament was then known just as it was called the law and the prophets and the psalms or the hagiographer or more briefly the law and the prophets or even more briefly still the law so the enlarged bible was called the law and the prophets with the gospels and the apostles so clement of alexandria stromata six two eighty eight so clement of alexandria tertullian or most briefly the law and the gospel so claudius apollinaris irenaeus while the new books apart were called the gospel and the apostles or most briefly of all the gospel this earliest name for the new bible with all that it involves as to its relation to the old and briefer bible is traceable as far back as ignatius a d one one five who makes use of it repeatedly in one passage he gives us a hint of the controversies which the enlarged bible of the christians aroused among the judaizers when i heard some saying he writes unless i find it in the old books i will not believe the gospel on my saying it is written they answered that is the question to me however jesus christ is the old books his cross and death and resurrection and the faith which is by him the undefiled old books by which i wish by your prayers to be justified the priests indeed are good but the high priest better etc here ignatius appeals to the gospel as scripture and the judaizers object receiving from him the answer in effect which augustine afterward formulated in the well-known saying that the new testament lies hidden in the old and the old testament is first made clear in the new what we need now to observe however is that to ignatius the new testament was not a different book from the old testament but part of the one body of scripture with it an accretion so to speak which had grown upon it 
this is the testimony of all the early witnesses even those which speak for the distinctively jewish christian church for example that curious jewish christian writing the testament of the twelve patriarchs tells us under the cover of an ex post facto prophecy that the work and word of paul i e confessedly the book of acts and paul's epistles shall be written in the holy books i e as is understood by all made a part of the existent bible so even in the talmud in a scene intended to ridicule a bishop of the first century he is represented as finding galatians by sinking himself deeper into the same book which contained the law of moses the details cannot be entered into here let it suffice to say that from the evidence of the fragments which alone have been preserved to us of the christian writings of that very early time it appears that from the beginning of the second century that is from the end of the apostolic age a collection ignatius second clement of new books ignatius called the gospel and apostles ignatius marcion was already a part of the oracles of god polycarp papius second clement or scriptures one timothy two peter barnabas polycarp second clement or the holy books or bible testament of the twelve patriarchs the number of books included in this added body of new books at the opening of the second century cannot be satisfactorily determined by the evidence of these fragments alone the section of it called the gospel included gospels written by the apostles and their companions justin which beyond legitimate question were our four gospels now received the section called the apostles contained the book of acts the testament of the twelve patriarchs and epistles of paul john peter and james the evidence from various quarters is indeed enough to show that the collection in general use contained all the books which we at present receive with the possible exceptions of jude two and three john and philemon and it is more natural to suppose that failure of very early evidence for these brief booklets is due to their insignificant size rather than to their non-acceptance it is to be borne in mind however that the extent of the collection may have and indeed is historically shown actually to have varied in different localities the bible was circulated only in hand copies slowly and painfully made and an incomplete copy obtained say at ephesus in a d sixty eight would be likely to remain for many years the bible of the church to which it was conveyed and might indeed become the parent of other copies incomplete like itself and thus the means of providing a whole district with incomplete bibles thus when we inquire after the history of the new testament canon we need to distinguish such questions as these one when was the new testament canon completed two when did any one church acquire a completed canon three when did the completed canon the complete bible obtain universal circulation and acceptance four on what ground and evidence did the churches with incomplete bibles accept the remaining books when they were made known to them the canon of the new testament was completed when the last authoritative book was given to any church by the apostles and that was when john wrote the apocalypse about a d ninety eight whether the church of ephesus however had a completed canon when it received the apocalypse or not would depend on whether there was any epistle say that of jude which had not yet reached it with authenticating proof of its apostolicity there is room for historical investigation here certainly the whole canon was not universally received by the churches till somewhat later the latin church of the second and third centuries did not quite know what to do with the epistle to the hebrews the syrian church for some centuries may have lacked the lesser of the catholic epistles and revelation 
but from the time of Irenaeus down the church at large had the whole canon as we now possess it, and though a section of the church may not yet have been satisfied of the apostolicity of a certain book or of certain books, and though afterwards doubts may have arisen in sections of the church as to the apostolicity of certain books, as for example of Revelation, yet in no case was it more than a respectable minority of the church which was slow in receiving or which came afterward to doubt the credentials of any of the books that then as now constituted the canon of the new testament accepted by the church at large and in every case the principle on which a book was accepted or doubts against it laid aside was the historical tradition of apostolicity let it however be clearly understood that it was not exactly apostolic authorship which in the estimate of the earliest churches constituted a book a portion of the canon apostolic authorship was indeed early confounded with canonicity it was doubt as the apostolic authorship of hebrews in the west and of james and jude apparently which underlay the slowness of the inclusion of these books in the canon of certain churches but from the beginning it was not so the principle of canonicity was not apostolic authorship but imposition by the apostles as law hence tertullian's name for the canon as instrumentum and he speaks of the old and new instrument as we would of the old and new testament that the apostles so imposed the old testament on the churches which they founded as their instrument or law or canon can be denied by none and in imposing new books on the same churches by the same apostolical authority they did not confine themselves to books of their own composition it is the gospel according to luke a man who is not an apostle which paul parallels in one timothy five eighteen with deuteronomy as equally scripture with it in the first extant quotation of a new testament book as scripture the gospels which constituted the first division of the new books of the gospel and the apostles justin tells us were written by the apostles and their companions the authority of the apostles as by divine appointment founders of the church was embodied in whatever books they imposed on the church as law not merely in those they themselves had written the early churches in short received as we receive into their new testament all the books historically evinced to them as given by the apostles to the churches as their code of law and we must not mistake the historical evidences of the slow circulation and authentication of these books over the widely extended church for evidence of slowness of canonization of books by the authority or the taste of the church itself end of the canon of the new testament by b b warfield